Hello, and welcome back to the Rewatch Rewind. My name is Jane, and this is the podcast where I count down my top 40 most watched movies in 20 years. Today, I will be talking about number 38, MGM's 2001 comedy Legally Blonde, directed by Robert Lukedic, written by Karen McCullough and Kirsten Smith, based on a novel by Amanda Brown, and starring Reese Witherspoon, Luke Wilson, and Selma Blair. Legally Blonde is the story of Elle Woods, Reese Witherspoon, who thinks her boyfriend Warner, Matthew Davis, is about to propose, but instead he dumps her because he thinks she's too frivolous for him. So to prove him wrong, Elle gets into Harvard Law School, which is where Warner is headed, but when she arrives, she finds that he has already gotten engaged to another law student, Vivian, Selma Blair, who fits into the law school scene much better than Elle does, at least at first. After many setbacks, Elle starts to realize that she's actually more interested in becoming a lawyer than winning back her boyfriend. I still vividly remember the first time I was made aware of this movie. I happened to walk into the room where my mom was watching it, and she was at the scene in the restaurant when Elle thinks Warner is about to propose, and I thought it looked like the worst movie ever, and I immediately left in disgust. At some point around then, I also saw part of the trial scene as an example of how courtrooms are portrayed on screen, but I don't think I put together that they were from the same movie. Once I actually gave Legally Blonde a chance and sat down and watched the whole thing, I absolutely loved it. The first time I watched it was in 2006, and I saw it five times in that year alone, and then three times in 2007. After that, I calmed down a bit and watched it once each in 2008, 2010, 2011, 2014, 2016, 2018, and 2020. So I've seen it 15 times, and over half of those were just in 2006 and 2007. I think it's appropriate that my first impression of Legally Blonde turned out to be so inaccurate, because that's basically the theme of this movie. So many people misjudge and underestimate Elle, and she proves them all wrong in an extremely satisfying way, just as the movie turned out to be far more intriguing and powerful than it appeared from that one out-of-context scene. This was a good and important lesson for me to learn as a teenager, and I really do feel like this movie helped me become a less judgmental person overall. Given my emphasis in the previous episodes on how much I love that Mary Poppins and Emperor's New Groove don't have romantic storylines, it may seem strange to immediately pivot to a romantic comedy. But Legally Blonde is no ordinary rom-com. In fact, I'm not convinced it even is a rom-com. Though the story begins romantically, with Elle focused on marrying Warner, as it progresses, the romantic aspect becomes less and less important. Watching Elle realize that she doesn't have to just be the trophy wife of a successful man, which was the only future she'd been able to see for herself before, is beautiful. And while there are some romantic elements to the rest of the story, the movie places just as much, if not more, emphasis on friendship than romance, something I personally would love to see more of. From the very beginning, even when Elle thinks she's getting engaged, we see her surrounded by her sorority sisters. And after the breakup, those same friends help her work on getting into law school. They don't really understand her struggles once she's there, but two of them do show up to her first trial, which I love both because they're very funny and because it shows that you don't have to fully understand a friend to support them. The first close relationship Elle forms after moving to Harvard is a friendship with manicurist Paulette, played by the fabulous Jennifer Coolidge. Granted, a significant part of their friendship involves dating advice, which I don't love. I think my least favorite part of the movie is the whole bend and snap scene, it just never made sense to me. But there's a lot more to it than that. 
Elle helps Paulette get her dog back from her ex, and Paulette helps Elle gain confidence in her new role as a law student. This relationship helps Elle through the toughest part of law school when all the other students disdain her, although eventually she befriends some of them. It's awesome to watch Vivian and Elle go from rivals to friends as they both realize that Warner isn't good enough for either of them. Elle also befriends David Kidney, Oz Perkins, again initially by helping him get a date, but their friendship soon progresses beyond that. Also, fun fact that I just relatively recently learned, Oz Perkins is the son of Anthony Perkins, as in THE Anthony Perkins who played Norman Bates in Psycho. And speaking of movie stars from the 1960s, Raquel Welch makes an appearance in Legally Blonde, as Mrs. Wyndham Vandermark, the first wife of the murder victim in the trial that is the main focus of the second half of the movie. One of Elle's professors, Callahan, played by Victor Garber, is defending the victim's second wife, who is accused of the murder, and Elle is one of the interns helping with the case. The team sends Elle to interview the first wife when they find out she's at a spa because they assume she and Elle will get along, but they very much do not, which is another example of characters misjudging and misunderstanding her. Elle does, however, get along very well with the defendant, Brooke Taylor Wyndham, Allie Larder, who is in the same sorority as Elle, though not at the same time. Most of the legal team seems to think Brooke is probably guilty, but Elle knows she's not, using the flawless logic that since Brooke is a prominent fitness instructor, and therefore exercises a lot, as I quoted at the end of last episode, exercise gives you endorphins, endorphins make you happy. Happy people just don't shoot their husbands, they just don't. The rest of the team doesn't exactly buy this, but Elle's belief in her leads Brooke to trust Elle more than she trusts anyone else, and that, in addition to Elle remaining true to herself despite being encouraged not to, is what allows them to win the case. So far, I've neglected to mention Emmett, Luke Wilson, the lawyer who supports and believes in Elle, and apparently starts dating her after the trial. I personally don't love that they end up together. I feel like it kind of undermines the message that she doesn't need romance to be fulfilled, although it is pretty clear that this relationship is just icing on the cake rather than her whole reason for being, in contrast to her relationship with Warner. Elle and Emmett do have some cute scenes together, but we don't really see them interact in a way that indicates they're anything other than friends. The movie never really feels like it's about their romance, which makes sense because originally they weren't even meant to officially end up together. The film was going to end with Elle walking out of the courtroom after winning the case. The scene of her dumping Warner, plus the whole epilogue with her graduation speech and the words on screen explaining what happened to everyone, were added because test audiences thought the story felt unfinished. While it is extremely satisfying to watch her telling off Warner and to know for sure that she excelled in her remaining two years of law school, it's a little frustrating to know that in the original version I would have been able to cling to my headcanon that Elle and Emmett were friends. From a storytelling perspective, I appreciate the symmetry of beginning with Elle thinking she's about to get engaged and ending with her actually about to get engaged. But from an Arrow Ace perspective, I'm irritated that marriage has to be part of the happy ending even in this otherwise romance light film. I'm happy for Elle that she found someone who loves her for who she is, but I don't like the implication that every close supportive relationship between a man and a woman must necessarily be romantic and sexual. It also bothers me that the ending tells us that Warner has no girlfriend, as if singleness is the worst possible fate, although that may be an unfair interpretation. We've seen that he doesn't really treat women as people, so it's probably good that he doesn't have a girlfriend, and it also says that he graduated with no honors and no job offers in addition to no girlfriend, so it's not like singleness is his only punishment. I just don't like how often singleness is treated as the just desserts of the villain, as if being single is inherently miserable. 
but the ending doesn't say anything about Vivian having a new boyfriend, just that she dumped Warner and is now friends with Elle, so it's not quite as straightforward as the heroes get romance and the villains are single, which I appreciate. Even with this ending, Legally Blonde is very clearly a movie about identity and friendship and integrity that also includes some romance, not a romantic film. So it's very interesting to me that it is often categorized as a romantic comedy. It's almost like the fact that it's pink and has a female protagonist and was written by women leads people to assume it must be a chick flick. And obviously, all chick flicks are rom-coms, because all women want is a fluffy story about a woman falling in love with a man, right? I want to make it clear that I'm not disparaging rom-coms or the people who enjoy them. What I'm criticizing here is the all-too-common practice of shoving rom-coms along with any other movie marketed toward women into the same inferior category. The funny thing is, by seeing these movies this way, people are making the exact same mistake Warner makes at the beginning of Legally Blonde, and admittedly the same one I made before I'd watched the whole thing, and equating femininity, or at least a certain type of femininity, with frivolity. But just as Warner turned out to be the loser when he dumped Elle, people who dismiss this movie are missing out. It is delightful and powerful, and Reese Witherspoon's performance in particular is fabulous. Her comedic timing and sensibilities are flawless. And the feeling of watching her in the courtroom after Elle takes over the case, start off floundering and unsure of herself, and then seeing that light bulb go off when she figures it out is so elating. A big part of what makes that moment so satisfying is how realistically and sympathetically Elle has been portrayed throughout the movie. It would have been easy to make a character like this too over-the-top and ridiculous, but the writing and acting keep her grounded and real while also portraying her as quirky and unique, and the movie is worth watching for that alone. However, I must say that certain aspects of Legally Blonde have not aged particularly well. For example, it bothers me more and more that, with Brooke's alibi that she doesn't want to reveal, they get so close to addressing the harm of placing impossible body standards on women, but don't quite go there, portraying Emmett as unreasonable for pointing out that she made her fortune by telling women that they're too fat. The movie also has a few gay characters, but the representation leaves much to be desired, as one might expect from a film made in the early 2000s. They're basically reduced to stereotypes, and the public outing of a gay man against his will based on his knowledge of shoe designers is played for laughs. Although, while outing someone is horrible, I would argue that lying about sleeping with someone to get them wrongfully convicted of murder is worse, so it's complicated. But, like forcing the happily ever after to include romance after emphasizing that romance is not the most important thing, the movie again undermines its own message here. It's odd that it puts gay people into stereotypical boxes when the whole story is about how people are so much more than the way society sees them. As a queer teen who didn't know I was queer, just that I was somehow different from most of my peers, it was incredibly satisfying to watch Elle learn that she didn't have to fit into a pre-existing mold and could just be herself. But in some ways now, it kind of feels to me like it's saying, be yourself and don't care what other people think of you, as long as you end up in a heterosexual relationship. And I don't love that. So that's probably part of why I don't watch it as much anymore. But I don't mean to imply that these problems completely ruin the movie. It still has a lot of great moments, and I would still recommend it. I should also mention that I've never read the book this movie is based on or watched the sequel, and I've also never seen or listened to the musical adaptation, so it's possible that some of these issues might be at least somewhat rectified in one or more of those versions. Overall, despite its flaws, this is a movie that encourages people to embrace the parts of their identity and personality that others dismiss, and that was a message I desperately needed to hear as a teenager. 
There are certainly other movies that portray this even better, but Legally Blonde happens to be one that I latched onto, probably at least partly because I had such low expectations and was then pleasantly surprised. Thank you for listening to me discuss another of my most rewatched movies. Remember to rate and leave a review if you want, and subscribe or follow to hear more. Next up is another movie I watched 15 times while keeping track that is only two minutes longer than this one, although unlike Legally Blonde, I had seen it multiple times before 2003. As always, I will leave you with a quote from that next movie. Life is pain, Highness. Anyone who says differently is selling something.